1: So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash/recommend today.
2: This is the Sports Edge with Rick
1: Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports, the Fan
2: Sports Radio 66 and 101.9 FM WFan New York.
3: Hi everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolfe. There was an absolutely fascinating article that ran in the New York Times sports section this past week. Written by Joe Drape, the article talked about how the travel club showcase industry for high school sports is taking a major hit this spring and summer. Of course, there's no surprising news there. We all know that. No youth or high school or travel team sports are being played this spring and into the summer. But what I found curious, and I have to admit I wasn't aware of this, is that apparently dozens of these travel and tournament programs have signed a petition to have the United States government bail out these operations to the tune of eight and a half billion dollars. That's billion with a B. Now, all these operations say, of course, that because of the pandemic, they are taking a huge financial hit uh, to their businesses. And they feel strongly that, that they should be included in any federal governmental financial bailout. I was absolutely stunned. These operations, of course, are not in any way Sanctioned or licensed or formally approved by the United States government. We've discussed that for years on the show And yet they feel that they should get government bailout money again eight and a half billion dollars Is the number they're looking for now just to be clear Are these individuals who are losing income or jobs over the summer due to the economic fallout of the pandemic? Yes, of course But are they thus entitled to receive from the government a lot of money and that my friends is what I want to discuss with you on this morning's show. Now I want to be very careful here because I don't want to in any way inflame or anger anyone, but here's my point. If you lose your job or are furloughed or get a pay cut from your employer, you're entitled to file for unemployment insurance. So are the owners and operators of all the showcases and travel teams eligible to collect from the bailout? Put it this way, if sports parents can't get refunds for all the money they've already paid into these programs, shouldn't these travel club operators have to repay those parents first before getting their money, their own money back? Shouldn't that be part of the bailout agreement? And how do we even know how much these operators are going to keep for themselves? In general, uh, although not all, many of these operations are notoriously secret about where the money goes for fees, fields, insurance, and most importantly, their own salaries. Remember we understand that all these travel and club teams, tournaments, showcases, most of this is paid for by the parents. They, The parents are the ones that fund these. Now of course nobody is holding a gun to the parents head to pay for any of this. Parents do this willingly, but over the last few weeks I have to tell you I've been receiving more and more complaints About this on the show and also via email. Sports parents are looking for refunds on canceled spring and summer travel teams and unfortunately they're not hearing much back. I'm receiving emails from sports parents who are looking for refunds on their kids canceled little league season. Look my friends there's no consumer reports about all this there's no place to go to complain. Once again as we discussed many times it's the the wild wild west when it comes to sports parenting and to me this is the perfect time for a commissioner of youth sports to oversee all this travel club and showcases and so on that are all funded in large part by the sports parents themselves. Okay, with that background, I want to welcome Joe Drape of the New York Times, uh, who joins me this morning on the Sports uh, Joe, good morning.
1: Rick, thanks for having me.
3: As I just mentioned, it was a terrific piece uh, that you wrote, and I thought it would be terribly uh, eye-opening on this. I, I should point out that my right friend Joe is a sports parent himself, so he knows about what's going on this firsthand. But, but Joe, this petition uh, from the dozens and dozens of travel and club teams and showcases asking for governmental bailout money, $8.5 billion. First question is, are they going to succeed? Is this going to happen?
1: You know, you have to think that that's way down the list of industries to bail out uh, you know I think it was more of a move to call attention to their plight and yes the youth teams as you mentioned and the the travel teams are in there but it's worth noted that USA football's in there USA wrestling USA volleyball I mean basically every sort of developmental sports organization has had the rug pulled out from underneath them. And, you know, they need money, and they need they need it quick. And, I, I mean, I, I think I've mentioned this to you. I don't know if they're going to get it, but I'm not terribly surprised that they applied for it. You know, Harvard, they applied for it. Shake Shack, they applied for it. Uh, you know, I think, in unfortunately, at times like this, terrible times like this, there's sort of a rush to the trowel and to see what they can get. Uh, You know, I don't know what's going on in D.C. I don't know how they're doling it out. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I can't really blame them for trying because everybody else is at this point.
3: Yeah, and I hear what you're saying, and of course there's been a lot of pushback this week about Harvard and Princeton, other top universities who have endowments that run into the billions of dollars. And I think they were ashamed and embarrassed that all of a sudden uh, that they said, oh yeah, well, we really don't need the money that badly, so they they gave the money back. Shake Shack, you mentioned, uh, you know, a few other uh, major operations are doing the same thing. And I also understand that there's a, a rush to... To, to, to say, hey, look, don't forget about us uh, in terms of getting free money, in effect, from the government. Uh, but what, what struck me as curious is that and uh, the letter that was sent by these organizations that went to, uh, to uh, Senator Schumer and Senator McConnell, uh, they, they talked about the fact that, um, that first of all, that that they made a point by saying that youth sports are so essential and so important to this country, but, yeah, we all know that. I mean, it it made it sound as though that somehow by running these showcases and and travel teams, that somehow they were the only opportunity, only place in the country where kids were getting a chance to play sports. And I thought that was a bit self-serving because clearly there are high schools, there are are all sorts of, um, you know, local recreational programs and so on and so forth. But more than that... They talked about the fact that, and I'm quoting from the letter itself, that youth sports organizations are largely run by volunteers, contractor, and seasonal coaches, not employees. However, to support their workforce, youth sports programs still have operational costs, including training, background screening, programmatic planning, and member sports services, and these things cost money. Well, I'm thinking, okay, fine. But first of all, you're saying right from the get-go that a lot of the, your your people are volunteers. So if they're volunteers, wh- what are what are your costs here? I mean, and if you're not going to have fields, you're not going to have programs. You don't have to pay for field rental. You have to pay for insurance. I'm a little curious. And again, I'm, I'm this is this is from their letter. This is not what you wrote. This is what, but you know, they they wrote to Schumer and McConnell. They're talking about like they have these unbelievable costs, and I'm thinking I don't understand where that comes from. And uh, Joe, I, I, I'm curious as to your what kind of reaction have you gotten to this piece? Have, have people uh, chimed in, or, or from your end, what have you heard?
1: You know, pe- people have chimed in, and it, sort of the structure of it, Rick. Uh, the two places, two of the three places, I I I've focused on three places. One is a guy who runs a basketball youth league and teams here in New York City, and he's. A one or two has three employees, and then he contracts out his coaches. So he has to rent gyms. He has to pay league fees. If he takes them to Montclair State, he has to pay for the transportation there. Uh, the bigger outfit I did was this perfect game, which is the baseball showcase. Of course. And it, it, They're it's huge. A, yeah, it's a behemoth. Now he has 100 employees, but he contracts thousands and thousands of coaches because they are so big, all right? So, uh, you know, that volunteer doesn't really quite work with that group. Uh, And, you know, the volunteers, I, I think they did conflate a little bit. I mean, I was a volunteer coach at Yorkville Youth Association here in New York City, basketball and flag football. Now, yes, me and fellow fathers and mothers, we volunteered, nobody paid us, it was great, I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. all's, all's good. Uh, I don't think they're, I think they're trying to use those sort of groups as a ballast for their request. I mean, you know, you and your audience knows this. It's a big racket out there, and it's a massive racket, and there's some more sophisticated than others out there. Uh, you know, all these guys can go, and just do the Small Business Act if if they wanted to. Uh, If they're under, what is it, under 500 employees? So Most of these places are. And they could promise to keep their employees on. Uh, You know, the costs, I I guess I I was just shocked and as surprised as you. I mean, I knew these people were hurting. I know coaches. I know people who run programs. I know how they do it. I know, you know, to be fair, Rick, some of them do it just sort of winging a prayer of it. They're not taking a whole lot out of it. Uh, you know, they're they're providing some service on that. But I, I just was surprised that there is an organized effort, and that speaks more to how big this industry has gone. I mean, I use I have a report that says it's fifteen billion dollar industry, mm-hmm. and you know when it gets that big. It gets sophisticated, and apparently it's gotten sophisticated enough to have its own lobby and have, you know, I guess the slickness to come up with this ploy. Uh, Again, I think it's an attention-grabber, but, you know, it is something to think about, Rick, because even before this, the participation in sports youth across America was in decline. In almost every major sport except lacrosse, and there was one other that escapes me. And, you know, now's going to be a time that people are going to rebalance their priorities. Uh, I have some facts in that story that a uh, 2014 Utah State study said families pay an average of 2500 a year for various sports pursuits for their kids per right. child. But then there's some people that pay up to $10,000 a year. So what we're going to have happen now is people aren't going to have that money. And are they going to want to spend that money? And so I think, you know, if you want to look at silver lining on this, let's say it comes back to more developmental rec league home, you know, play close to home and compete and make it open to everybody or, you know, small Economic barriers, but you know we're we're going to have to wait to see if that's happening. My reporting, not only in e-sports but at NFL and the pro sports, we I worked on a story this week about is you know, nobody thinks any of this is coming back soon. I mean, maybe not this year, maybe next spring.
3: Well, let's let's. Uh, you mentioned something. We're talking this morning with Joe Drape of the New York Times. Uh, in the Utah state uh, study you had mentioned, and the fact that you know they found that about uh, two thousand or so dollars a year pa- parents spend on their kids in sports, I think most of us accept the fact that, as you mentioned, it's closer to ten or twelve thousand, uh, regardless of the sport, because that's that's, that's what the, the, that's the price of admission if your kid wants to go and play on a team all year round and of course yet they have to the parents pay for the actual travel expenses and so on and so forth uh... clearly that money is gone now and i think of course that that money has been funding these travel showcases and whatever uh... and that's why clearly these organizations the big ones uh, are looking to see well how can we get some money to keep ourselves afloat we 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 know all this um, the question is and I know also of course there are a lot of uh local facilities, local organizations which do probably work exclusively with volunteers, uh, who don't get paid, don't get pay much at all. But clearly there are a number of these organizations that are listed on this um in this letter uh which are big and, and they, they're thinking, Oh my gosh, we need to find some money in, in a hurry if we're gonna keep this going and and uh, I you know we'll be curious To see after the spring and summer where, you know, uh, the kids are not going to be going to showcases. What happens in terms down the road? Well, college coaches, for example, just have to go back to the so-called good old days of, uh, you know, doing their own recruiting, uh, looking to uh, high school's coaches for contacts, uh, looking at just video. I mean, it's going to have a tremendous impact. Uh, and the way the youth sports uh world operates. Uh and I I do believe that and I do think there are going to be some concerns about this as well. I I I don't know. And again, we have no I don't know how this operates, uh, who makes the call. Uh, if if you ask for the world, I mean, you mentioned Joe of course that uh you know youth sports, we know it's a uh huge 15 billion dollar industry. Uh, I like to use the comparison that Major League Baseball is only $9 billion. so you are talking about a huge, huge industry, uh, but my question is, is this going to survive, is it not going to survive, is it going to be just a shakeout of the, the poor funded operations, or are we just going to see the major operators stay in business, because they'll get the lion's share of this money. I, I don't know if they get money, if they will get money, how much they'll get, but and then how it's divvied up. I just don't know how that operates. Um, do you have any insights on that, in terms of how the, the bailout might work?
1: You know, the, the big ones, I mean, how the shakeout is going to work is the well-run, well-funded ones are going to be able to withstand this, and the, the mom-and-pop operations who are just kind of going season to season are not. Yep. Now, again, uh, I don't think they're going to get a bailout, Rick. I you know, $8 billion is a lot of money on anybody's scorecard. It's an industry that, I again you know, it's discretionary in in my view. I I can't see it having a huge constituency as far as lobbying votes and things like that. Uh, You know, again, I do think people are going to have to reprioritize. And if they reprioritize, I mean, all the things you've talked about over the years, all right, the economic barriers that have happened, you know, you got to pay to play, Uh, the ignoring the school system, schools or, or, Fencing them off. I mean, all these things could be corrected here right now. I mean, suddenly, surely the first teams back are going to be grade school and high school, is my guess. Mm-hmm. So, so all of a sudden, okay, they now are the center of this universe, this youth sports universe. Uh, second, people aren't going to be able to travel. I mean, I did a story a while ago on these, uh, the turnications of youth sports. How... I went to Lake Point in Emerson, Georgia, which has baseball stadiums, 18 basketball courts. Uh, They've built hotels and restaurants and bars around it. Their whole deal, and it's it's sort of a foreboding quote it turned into, is, we want to be the cruise ship of new sports.
3: (laughs) And, and, you know... uh, Yeah, these operations are like they have to pay mortgages uh, on their property, and and clearly they are really uh, in a difficult situation right now because, you know, a year ago, being the cruise ship of, of all sports and offering all these uh, you know, amenities and facilities, was, was, uh, they're a huge magnet. All right, let me, let me take a pause here. We're talking this morning with Joe Drape. We're talking about this uh, proposed $8.5 billion uh, bailout from the government to take care of all these travel and club teams and showcases and tournaments, whatever. Uh, when we come back, we will take your calls. I know people have opinions about this at one 337 6666
2: Sports Radio 1019
3: FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. We're talking this morning with Joe Drape of the New York Times uh, about the uh, article he wrote this past week about travel and showcase programs. Uh, that are requesting $8.5 billion in federal bailout money, and we're going to take your calls in a second. And by the way, you know, Joe's byline is, is well-known to uh, Daily Readers of the New York Times. I should also point out he's, uh, he's a first-class author as well. He's written several superb books, including American Pharaoh, about the untold story of the great racehorse, uh, Soldier's First Duty Honor Country and Football at West Point. And Our Boys, A Perfect Season on the Plains with the Smith Center Redmond. Uh, these are all terrific reads, and, of course, you can find them all on Amazon. Uh, let's, uh, Joe, let's get to our calls at one eight seven seven 877 let us start this morning with Tim out of Eastchester. Tim, good morning. You're on the fan.
2: Good morning, Rick. Uh, guys, once again, our priorities are skewed. You know, this is such a litigious society we live in that these people are just looking to get their hands on the surplus cheese. And it's a real crime. It's a real crime. But, Coach, let me just mention one other thing. Thank you for bringing up that article of Mushnick and your father last week at Creedmoor. Yes. I was laughing so hard. I wish <laughs> everybody gets the chance to read it. It's great. I loved your line about satorial splendor. Yes. I mean, that was terrific, Coach. And I felt much like your partner, Tom, did because I played out in Creedmoor myself, and that place did give me the creeps. Yes. And, and, Coach, last, if I may say, My daughter had the opportunity to play for Eastchester High School, the basketball, and they got their season in. And my heart goes out to all the kids that won't be able to play because that's what we play for, just to be out there and be part of something. And to, to reiterate that point, at the end of the game, they lost in the first round of the playoffs, and a bunch of the girls were in the lobby and they were hugging and crying. And I was like, guys, you played a great game. It went into overtime, heads up and everything. And when I got into my car, I realized they weren't crying because they lost. They were crying because they weren't going to see each other again. And it was the last game they were playing. Coach, have a great day and a great summer.
3: Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you for the thoughts and comments about uh, the wonderful piece that uh, Phil Mushnick did about my dad uh, when I was playing ball back in the 70s and we had a game out of Creedmoor. Uh, as far as you know, high school sports are concerned, uh, again, high school sports, to my way of thinking, are still the backbone of America. And you talk to any kid... Who is good enough to make an elite travel team or club team or whatever uh, they of course know that may be the stepping stone to being recruited for college, but at the end of the day, they really do want to play with their friends, their close friends uh, from high school, where the school colors be either uh, you know somebody who 's special on the on the school campus. so when the season ends, uh, they obviously just they feel badly. That they may have lost the last game, but they res- realize that this is the last chance they're going to have time to enjoy the camaraderie of their, of their teammates. And, uh, of course, the kids who got high school kids who lost their, their spring season, it's just heartbreaking. It's simple as that. Let's move on. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to White Plains, and Peter is standing by. Peter, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Good
0: morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good, how are we, Peter. Okay, Um, I know what we're finding out with the travel, these guys, the travel showcases, whether it's baseball or softball tournaments, they're not giving any money back till the earliest June 1. And so we can't issue refunds because we're not getting anything back yet. The other you... problem is we're hearing through the grapevine through, you know, backdoor channels. They're not giving the whole money back. They're maybe giving up to 50% back and it says, oh, by the way, we can use... If you come back next year we'll credit what you you know put down this year. Yep. So that's that's the biggest hang up on a lot of the travel sports in the local end over here who are traveling to go to a lot of these tournaments. We're not getting the money back. The wreck is a different issue. You know and I know you can't order equipment in March to get in April. You have to buy this stuff January, February, you know, baseball, softballs, lacrosse balls, lacrosse nets, so on and so forth. A lot of rec programs, you know, they're showing out. You get your sign-up fees, you already spent 20 or 30% of your budget already just to get supplies, just to get the season going. So hey, let's,
3: go, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's leave the rec programs out uh, of this for the time being. Let's go back to what you're hearing about uh, and how these programs are saying, well, we don't, we're not going to give you refunds, uh, maybe not until June, or maybe we'll just uh, not give any refunds at all. We'll credit you the money for next year. Uh, you know, the first question I would have, and Joe, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. If I gave you a check, you know, two, three months ago to, to make sure my kid is going to be on my summer travel team, whatever it might be, why is that money spent? Why can't you just refund me my check? Uh, why, where was that money spent now? Uh, what happened? And, and Joe, does this seem equitable to you? Does this seem like it's something that um, I know it's happening because I get lots of complaints about this. Uh, Joe, what, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, again, I do think some of these places spend the money as it comes in, and they live off it. And, uh, you know, like any business, if you're not providing a service, you should be able to refund that money to your customer. To me, that's good business as well. You know, why alienate your caller yep. by not giving, giving him his money back? Uh, you know human nature brick people don't want to let go of money and you know that that is exactly what's come down here and i you know i think in the beginning they were thinking they could come out of this you know we could start in july i mean everybody i talked to for that story my friends who run programs they thought okay this is going to be a month maybe two now they're postponing and saying we're going to get it up in july or august uh you know, I think we've hit the reality checkpoint right now that this summer's probably finished. I mean, yes. you just yes. look at what's going on, uh, and uh, you should be returning the money right there. Uh, what, you have to pay for your fields or your gyms or whatever you're doing there. You have to pay your tournament fees. And, you know, the pipeline's probably a little clogged yeah, but The tour- tournament's giving it back to the teams, who give it back to the parents, that kind of thing.
3: But again I mean if there, and I agree with you that we know that the spring and summer they're all gonna, that's going to be washed away, so I would you know say, well yeah, but there are no fees for fields because there's nothing going on this spring or summer, there are no insurance issues there are no there's no all the overhead that most travel clubs would look at those don't exist this year, so if you really want to do the right thing by your 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 clients or your, the parents, you should give them the money back. Or, I mean, the parents all understand that um, we're in a very awkward, unusual set of circumstances, but they also are hurting for money as well. And obviously there should be some sort of way to make this somewhat equitable. I mean, I, I, uh, I
1: I agree with you, Rick. I agree with you. Yeah, I I know you
3: do. And I just, I just wish there was something that could be done. Um, Well, let's continue with our calls. Let's go over to, uh, to Ed over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. What do you make of Good wellness?
4: morning, Rick. How are you doing? Good, Ed. Good. Well, here's a situation. You know, I, I, as you know, I, I run a couple of team showcase events, and I, you know, it's getting it's getting closer and closer. where I got to make a decision, and I'm leaving the option up to the uh, the team the teams if they want to keep the deposit money that they gave me towards next year. Or do, you want, do they want me to refund them? At least you know I give them an option what they want to do on that. It's not like well, you're not going to get your money till this date and whatever. And I know I'm working on that stuff today as I'm sitting home with a rainy weather.
3: But you give them the option of getting a complete refund. Yes. Yeah, I mean yes, I. I think that's fair, and I think that's the way people want to be treated um, because, as I just said, people are all looking for, uh, everybody's hurting uh, financially these days, but for a travel program or showcase, seem to say, well, we'll give you back half, or we'll give you maybe some money later on in the summer, or we'll just credit you for next year. That doesn't always seem to be uh, the, the right or the best way to do business, and, and I think that's what we're looking at. Um, Ed, thank you for the call. Let me move on. Let's go to, uh, let's go to uh, Jack uh, Smithlin over in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Uh, Jack, good morning. W- what do you make of all of this situation? $8 billion? <laughs> uh, $8.5 eight, eight, eight Now, again, you, oh, can there ask, you go. You can ask for everything you want, but, you know, they're <laughs> saying, well, it's a $15 billion industry, so we'll ask yeah. for... But, you know, as you just pointed out, a uh, million dollars is a lot of money. But billion dollars, holy smokes, that that is a lot of dough.
5: That's a lot of money. I mean, to to tell you the truth, you know, like I'm I'm speaking and texting Dr. Rob Freed, and, you know, he and I are thinking on the same path, and, you know, you're probably on the same path also, but these are subcontractors, you know. Are we going to pay every subcontractor in the world back money that when, you know, they have to – they work through a contractor – and they're hired by that contractor. So you, you think about just the chain of, the, you know, the demand of the money here, and, it, and it's it is completely crazy. I'm going to say that, you know, a couple things real quick. The, the demise of those clubs that are not coming back are the ones that are not going to pay back their full uh, tuitions or their full amount of, of entry money. You know, l- let's look at it this way. If I had a son playing ball right now, or a daughter playing ball right now, and that and that company, that that team, that organization didn't give me back my full refund, yep. it'd be the last time they'd see me. Yeah, okay? I'm sure. So, so I believe that that's going to be the demise. That's going to be the demise. Hey, what is it? You got scout there with you, or what? <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be the demise of these programs. So, when you talk about the the wild wild west and and listen you're the one that you're the first person that came up with this idea and it's the best idea ever you know we need a commissioner of youth sports because here's where this person can step in right now and take all these organizations that some are legit and some are like joe said and joe i loved your article i thought it was fantastic um they talk about You know, this is a side business to me. You know what? We're all hurting. Every single person that's affected by this virus is hurting. So you know what? Let's take all that $8 billion and pay the people, give it to the people who can't put food on their tables, who are losing their jobs. That You know, I have a friend who owns four businesses, four restaurants in New York City and very small mom and pop type of places a coffee shop and a and a sandwich shop you know right down by um in the village he's you know he he's he might be losing all four of those you know and you know these are the businesses that should be helped these are the you know look at all the people that can't even feed their families they're going they don't even get a paycheck you know so this is where all that money should go and when you talk about the players about refunding money like ed said you know and there's not too many people that's going to be doing what ed did you know you know if that if that's the if that's the way it's going to happen but you know what's going to happen is what about that person who's at their last year of that program you know no option no question. Refund them all because they're not coming back. They're actually out of that age group. They got to go find a new program, possibly. That person, without doubt, should be given every single penny back. So when you talk about, hey, I heard you say that, you know, anybody can ask for it. You know what? And I'm a strong believer. You're never going to get anything unless you ask for it. But they're not, in my opinion, that kind of money – There are so many other businesses that are essential, and they say that, you know, we provide the service of the kids playing. They don't provide the service, these showcases and these clubs, because no matter what, if there weren't any clubs, everybody would be playing rec ball, going back to the good old times, you know, the old school way. And that's what I think is going to happen. I really, truly feel that that is going to happen.
3: Jack, thank you as always for your thoughts, uh, and I'm glad you did, did a shout-out to Ed, because Ed is to be saluted for doing the right thing, to refund the money, if that happens, uh, all 100% to the people who signed up for his his showcases, And and, uh, and Jack, as always, I thank you for your thoughts. Uh, and, you know, I, I do think there's merit. I mean, this is – look, let's be honest. Sports in this country uh, is a leisure, act time, uh, leisure time activity, and just like we love to see our kids play sports, but the fact is it's leisure, and it's not essential in terms of the grand scheme of things, and, and – um, yeah, I, I just think we they put this all in perspective, particularly when when these uh these these organizations say in their letter to the government that youth sports organizations are largely run by volunteers. Well, okay, then, then why what do you need all this money? Simple as that. All right, let me let me take a time out. Where when I come back after this break, we'll continue our conversation with Joe Drape of the New York Times, and we'll take your calls as well as one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six.
2: Sports Radio, 1019 FM, the fan, and Sports Radio 66, WFN.
3: And don't forget, at 9 o'clock this morning, Mike Francesa will be along. And, of course, he'll be talking about the, the NFL draft and, how the, and his opinion, how the Jets and Giants did, and, of course, his total perspective on the entire league uh, and who did well in the draft. Uh, also, I'd like to remind you that uh, don't forget to get a copy of my new book, uh, The Sports Parenting Edge. Uh, you can buy either a copy, a print copy or an e-book copy. You can go to Amazon to get it. Get a copy today if you want to know really what more about uh, what sports parents need to know as they try to navigate uh, through the process uh, of sports parenting and youth sports with their youngsters. Joe Drape of the New York Times is my guest this morning. We're talking about a, a terrific piece he wrote this past week about how Literally, dozens and dozens of travel teams and showcase operations are petitioning the United States government for an $8.5 billion bailout due to all their canceled events for the spring and summer. And we're getting lots of thoughts and comments about this. The question, of course, is is this fair? Is this right? These are organizations that have grown dramatically. Uh, in recent years, feeding off of sports parents who who pay all the money and basically want to see their kid go to these showcases and travel teams uh, to see their kid get a chance to be recruited for college, but there is little, if any, governmental oversight or any transparency. As to how these these travel teams and organizations, uh, you know, run their programs, and quite frankly, uh, how much these administrators earn in terms of salaries—it's as simple as that. Let's uh, let's uh, Joe. Let's return to our callers. Let's go to Louis in Lindbrook. Louis, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick.
4: You're the voice of reason. Thank God we have you. Well, thank uh, you very
3: much. <laughs> My
4: point is, why would the government bail out the businesses and the travel camps and the showcases? when the showcases aren't refunding the deposits. What, are the bank robbers going to get stimulus money because they can't rob the banks? <laughs> because the banks are closed inside?
3: <laughs> hey, Joe, you want to handle that one?
1: <laughs> I, you're right. You know, let's listen to all you guys, and all your callers. Let's think about how we got here in the first place. Okay. You know, we all love sports. We all want to do well by our kids. We want them to play. We've come out of sports. We think it's good lessons learned that you can be an educator there. But somewhere along the line, somebody sold us a Bill of Rights, a Bill of Goods, that said, you know, if you want to go get a college scholarship, you've got to go to this showcase. you got to go to yep. this tournament. You've got to go do that. Now, I've been in, around sports all my life, I've been a sports writer now 25 years. Uh, two things that pop into my mind. Um, Archie Manning telling me he didn't let his kids play organized sports until high school because he said youth sports were for the parents, not the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you know, the Mannings did all right. Can we agree on that? <laughs> uh, and then the second thing is, and again, being around coaches and educators, if you're good they're going to find you. They're going to find you at your high school team, your rec team. Uh, they're going to find you. They they know how to get good players. And the third thing is this: the scholarship recruiting thing is a mirage. We've do, put databases together here. You know, there's only about two percent of this money. Of like, I think it's like eight hundred million. Only two percent of it is available to people and those other than football and basketball and those are usually little partial scholarships here here and there i mean there is not a great pot of gold out there in ncaa money unless you're a big-time football or basketball player so you know this whole i mean hopefully again i keep talking about adjustment the bubble being burst people got to realize that hey you know, my kid can play, but I don't have to pay $10,000 and travel all over the world. I mean, you know, we need to get our priorities back in order, and then we wouldn't be talking about bailouts.
3: I agree with you 100%, Joe. And, and uh, you know, we, we like to trumpet the fact, uh, and the NCAA does this all the time with their public service ads, that, uh, you know, less than 4% of all, high school varsity athletes, less than 4% ever are good enough to go on to make a team in college, either at Division One, Two, II, or Three level. So we're talking about a very, very small percentage. I'm not talking about scholarship money. I'm talking about just making a team. And the problem is that the parents, uh, for whatever reason, they say, okay, well, uh, my kid is going to be one of those 4%. <laughs> yeah, but the numbers are that 96% of all the high school athletes are not going to make a team. Why do you think your kid's going to be a that special one? And and again, we all want the very best for our kids as parents. And if it means that we have to dig a little deeper into our pockets uh, to get them onto a travel team or to showcase or to special camps, whatever it might be, we will do that because we want to make sure that we're being perceived as as being good and caring parents. But now that this, this whole summer is going to be washed away because of the pandemic, uh, as we've heard from uh, a number of the callers today, and, and, uh, and I'm, you probably feel the same way, and I do too, that we're going to see a return to a different perhaps more simpler, more of an uh, innocent time where there aren't going to be these showcases. And if kids do want to go on to play in college, well, it's going to be up to college coaches to you know, beat the bushes, talk to other people in neighborhoods and, and regions, uh, and do how recruiting was done 25, 20 years ago. They're no longer go into showcases. I think that's what we're looking at here. And I think... Go ahead. Well,
4: uh, I'd like to add something. Right now... Uh, because of the pandemic, the NCAA is dropping a lot of non-revenue uh, producing teams. Louis. i you example. Yeah, Louis, I'm glad you mentioned Cincinnati, that. Yep. Yeah. The Cincinnati. University of Cincinnati just dropped their soccer program, and I'm a soccer coach on the college level. That is really scary. I mean, you're going to see a lot of teams dropping a lot of their – I mean, a, a lot of colleges dropping their teams, and we're really going to be in, in a big mess here. So why would – why would, these, uh, why would they even get any stimulus money when you're talking about other NCAA teams dropping their, uh, uh, their teams?
3: Louis, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was sort of lost, I think, on a shuffle. But yeah, the NCAA suddenly, like the University of Cincinnati, big-time football and basketball program decided, well, you know what, we're just going to immediately drop our, our men's soccer program, and that was gone. Boom, gone. So, you know, the the colleges are obviously hurting for money as well. They're looking at this and say, okay, what are our revenue producers? Which goes back to Joe's point. If you're a big-time football player or basketball player, yeah, you can get a full scholarship to college. But all those other programs... You know, they're looking, they're under the microscope right now from athletic uh, uh, directors as to where can we make budget cuts, where can we cut back on even more scholarships, and so on and so forth. And again, we're going to see, unfortunately, more of these collegiate programs uh, just get wiped off the board due to financial considerations. Louis, thank you for that call. Joe, do you have the same feeling as I do that we're going to see more cutbacks?
1: Oh, yeah. In our reporting last week, another story I worked on was about. Uh, the financial impact to the pro teams in the NCAA, we talked to athletic directors, and, you know, they've been looking for a reason to cut some of these sports long before the pandemic. This this actually gives them the shot to do it. I mean, only football carries the day at at, at every NCAA school. I mean, basketball makes a little bit of money. Everybody else is at a loss leader, and you know, that's, the numbers are there. Everybody knows that. And, you know, a couple teams, I think somebody dropped wrestling. Uh, there was a survey of athletic directors and two and three said that they were going to lose 40% of their uh, income just from having to cancel the last spring or this these last games. Uh, we talked to a, the woman's softball coach in Michigan, been there 38 years, wins, and she goes, if we don't play football this fall, we're in real trouble. Yeah. So you know, yeah, you know everybody, everybody is going to shake out on this in all in all leagues. I mean, the, the pro leagues are in big trouble. That's why you keep hearing these ideas of let's take over Arizona spring training or let's get a resort in Las Vegas because a lot of money's just disappearing. Just
3: Yeah, there's no question we're going to see a lot of repercussions uh, as this continues. Uh, And as you said, you know, it's how in the world, why is there any connection between uh, a collegiate softball program and big-time football? Well, because that's where the money comes from. If you you play a sport, if you plays a sport, which is a non-revenue producer, that sport is now on shaky ground particularly if there's no uh, NCAA football this year uh, in, in the big places. Let's, uh, right. let's continue our calls. Let's go to uh, Staten Island. Jack has been waiting patiently. Jack, good morning. You're next up on the fan.
1: Hey, how you doing, guys? I just want to give you a little aside here. I'm a member of a target arch- archery organization, NFAA, and like four days before we were supposed to have our tournament, it was canceled, and that is a tournament that brings in 2,000 archers. The NFAA had to have all sorts of expenses and stuff to set this thing up in Kentucky, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. So they're out the money. So they gave us three choices. They said, you can ask for your money back. You can let your money roll over until we can have the tournament. Or three, you can donate the money to a charitable organization. So, it, and they're, non, they're non-profit. So it, it's,
2: I don't think it's unconscionable if these teams, if these guys are doing it for profit, they owe them people their, all their money back, whatsoever. There's no gray
1: line here.
3: Yeah, Jack. I think we all feel the same way. Uh, and and uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I it's if you're going to run a business uh, and you want to make sure you have you do it the right way and it's reputable and you do the right thing by your clients. In this case, we're talking about obviously uh, sports parents who were writing checks to you, and all of a sudden something a crisis hits. Well, you still have you know, I'm not sure if it's, a, if, it, if it's just legal or just a moral obligation, but you say, you know, okay, we're going to, if you want your money back, we will send you a refund, as simple as that. Because to say, well, you know, i give you half your money back, or we're just going to not even offer a refund, we'll just roll over to next year, I'm not sure that's going to sit well with a lot of people. And and I think that's what these organizations are looking for in terms of trying to get some sort of stimulus money from from the government to make them whole. But it is, it is difficult, and I'm glad that, as you mentioned, Jack, this, the, the organization with Archers, at least they gave people an option here, uh, and so they make their own choice. But the options were good ones, from my perspective. Uh, it, it's as simple as that. Jack, thank you for the call. Joe, this is, again, uh, we get to situations like this with crisis hits. You begin to get a sense of of how people see things and what the right priorities are for them and how they handle uh, situations when things aren't going well. Um, And these showcases, these tournaments, again, I I, I just have a sense that um, we're going to see even more fallout and more pushback on these things because uh, there is a lot of money involved.
1: Oh, absolutely, Rick. And and that's what the bailout's all about.
3: And
1: You know, those are sophisticated organizations that have signed that letter. Uh, In addition to the federations I mentioned, TeamSnap, which is a tech company that puts together the uh, uh, schedules and software to manage teams, tournaments, travel, they were on that letter and they laid off 140 people. Uh, last week, or two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, so you know it's a big industry that has been built on the back of parents, quite frankly, and, and parents' hopes and dreams for their kids.
3: Yeah, and, and I want—I think it's important to point out that, um, again, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, nobody is. Nobody is forcing or holding a gun to these sports parents to, to write big checks. Uh, they have done this over the years willingly. They say, this is great. We're going to plan our family vacation to take our kid to a showcase somewhere in, in Georgia or out in, uh, in Texas, whatever it might be. This is going to be fun for the family, and we'll have a chance for our youngster to be scouted or be seen by college coaches or to see other, co- other teams, other players from other parts of the country. So parents have done this willingly. It's not like they said that this is something they've been threatened that they had to do. And I think that's that's why when suddenly the money dries up and parents can't afford this and the kids uh, lose that uh, those valuable time of playing, playing their sport, it, now all of a sudden these organizations are saying, well, you know what, uh, we have a lot of employees, and uh, even though a lot of this is based upon volunteers, uh, we still have to pay our own expenses, and that's obviously why they're looking for money. Again, I'm not suggesting that uh that that we necessarily have to uh you know support these organizations but i do think it has a lot to do with the fact that that parents understand that or these op- op- operators are saying that look uh we need money to stay afloat and i'm not sure that's something that the federal government should should sort of wade into it, it seems to me it's a a leisure time activity and um uh, you know, people can line up on both sides of this debate, but it is kind of curious. And, again, Joe, I, I'll be curious to see how this how this plays out down the road.
1: Well, and, uh, you know, I'm already seeing it. Uh, being a youth parent, <laughs> a yes. sports parent, I, my email box bings all day long with all kinds of things. And I have seen some of these outfits say, okay, we're going to have a three-hour teaching lesson via Zoom for 50 bucks. So you see some people adjusting already. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my guys in that story who runs basketball All-Stars, Dave Brown, he and his coaches are putting out workout programs just free. And he's saying, you know, hey, I want people to remember me when when we come back, when we get back online. So I'm not going to charge you anything now. Here are some things that will... Keep you in shape and some girls you can work on. Uh, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of innovation that way. I think private coaching. I mean, what the, the bigger problems is social distancing. How's anybody going to go to a
3: camp? You know, <laughs> Joe. The 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 issues you bring up are endless. And yeah, social distancing. It's hard to play sports. You know, in isolation. Uh, it, it's it's uh, we're in a whole brave new world. And if you're an a young athlete or you're a sports parent, you've got some real issues here to think about. Joe Drape uh, of the New York Times. Joe, I can't thank you enough for coming on. You did a terrific piece, as you heard from the callers this morning. We had a lot, a lot of interesting thoughts and, and perspectives. And I thank you again for for coming on. I'll talk to you again real soon.
1: Rick, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.
3: Thank you, Joe. Again, Joe Drape, New York Times. That's going to do it for this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Pete Hoffman. Please stick around for Mike Francesa. He's up next. I'll see you next week on the Sports Edge.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?